0: Uh, can't dishes in front, another sliding
1: pad save by flurry. this time to his right.
2: Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show.
1: Here is a left wing opportunity, Lizana sliding pad save, Robin Leonard, what a stop.
0: From the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Congratulations out of the gate to Mark andre Fleury, who has just been announced as the 2021 Vezina Trophy winner for the National Hockey League, awarded to the top goaltender for the NHL in that season. First time that he's uh, won that award. First time that he was a finalist. First time that the Vegas Golden Knights win that award. And it's uh, fitting as uh, this was the year that uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard teamed up to win the Jennings Trophy for lowest goes against average in the National Hockey League. Mark andre Fleury making uh, some more history, uh, this time at 36 years of age, as we bring in Ryan Wallace from uh, his homestead, uh, along with Chris Chapman, Darren Millard, here in the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Uh, the MVP was just announced as well, and that went to Connor McDavid. Uh, the question that we were wondering was, would it be unanimous? And Ryan Wallace, we have
1: a little history on that front, too. Yeah, we sure do. Connor McDavid, a unanimous Hart Trophy winner, all 100 first place votes for Connor McDavid, 1000 points for the guy that just seemed to put up all the points this year.
0: So, was that a really good year or was that historic year or was that like we may not see it again type year? It's probably between we may not see that again type year and an exceptional year. It's just the second time in the 97 year history of the Hart trophy with the voting (laughs) that a player has been unanimously named as the best player in the national hockey league. The only other player to have that uh, happen was Wayne Gretzky once once. (laughs) Yeah, that's that. and, And that's kind of interesting too. Mm -hmm. Now now you're
1: in rarefied air. You're 100% right. I mean, this is one of those huge milestones for Connor McDavid, and I think that it's a milestone in the fact that it was this unanimous, that there was no doubt whatsoever left in anyone's mind of who the most valuable, most outstanding, best player was in the NHL this year. It's Connor McDavid. It's Connor McDavid by a mile. And I'm excited to see that the ballots and the voting bore that out because if Connor McDavid was on all 100 ballots but did not receive all first-place votes, it would have been a shame because he was just that much better than everyone else this year.
0: It's the second time in 97 years that a player has uh, been unanimously named, uh, got all first-place votes uh, across the board. Uh, and how good is that? Well, uh, so Wayne Gretzky is the only other player to do it, and Wayne had mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, two hundred point seasons.
2: <laughs> and it, it loops back
0: to you now compete against yourself, because uh, yeah. if, if you're not as good or dominant and separate yourself from uh, the field like Connor did this year, he'll be he'll be judged by what he did. Uh, this season, so uh, yeah, Im- impressive uh, that Connor McDavid uh, has has done that, and uh, congratulations to all the uh, uh, the voters uh, who I think got it right uh, across the board. And more VGK content uh, when it comes to the Hart Trophy.
1: You're 100. Uh, percent Yeah, in terms of the the Hart Trophy uh, for the Golden Knights, Mark Stone on the ballot as well. Uh, I believe finished ninth place as I just yep. closed that out. Um, but you know, it, it's good for the Golden Knights in looking at the the end of season awards that you've got Shea Theodore on the ballot um, and and pushing inching closer uh, to being a finalist for the Norris. You've got Mark Stone inching his way into the conversation, not just for, for the Selkie as a finalist, but also the Hart Trophy. Yeah, as as a as a player to kind of keep an eye on as he continues to get better and better and better, um, for the Golden Knights, it, it's showing that their best players are are pushing the right buttons and getting recognized for what they're doing around the league.
0: Mark Andre Fleury is the big winner from a Vegas Golden Knights standpoint as he wins the Vesna Trophy. It was announced uh, in the last hour. The presentation made uh, via Zoom on an NHL production uh, show that uh, had martin brodeur a four-time winner of the vesna trophy uh, announcing the winner and then interviewing mark andre fleury let's bring you that sound now
1: and the winner of the Vezina trophy mark andre fleury from the vegas golden knights congratulations mark andre 17 season
3: over five almost 500 wins three stanley cups and now a Vezina. what's your secret to be able
4: to play at this high level? Uh, I don't know. I think, you know, obviously having a good team in front of me always helped, you know, always helped the goalie back there. And the whole staff, you know, the trainer keeping me uh, loose and ready to go every night. But to me, I, I just love the game. You know, I, I still have a lot of passion for, for the game and still have a lot of fun playing the game, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm just lucky to do uh, what I like to do. That's awesome. Félicitations Marc-André. Is there anybody you'd like to thank? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Um, My teammate, like I said, they've been amazing. Um, Playing consistently, good defense in front of me. Uh, My partner, Robin Leonard, for his support throughout the season. Uh, The goalie coach, Mike Rosati. Um, We tweaked a little things here and there. I think that helped me throughout the season. The fans, you know, I thought uh, beginning the season with nobody in the stands, right? And having them at full capacity in Vegas at the end was so much fun, right? It just brings the emotion and uh, the atmosphere into the building, and it was a lot of fun. Also, I would to thank my family and in Quebec for your support, for your encouragement during all these years. My mes my children, Scarlett and James, after a good match ou a mauvais match, c'est toujours always there for
0: Mark-Andre Fleury accepting the Vesna Trophy award uh, announced by uh, Martin Brodeur, a four-time Vesna Trophy winner. And uh, Marty brought up uh, the, the win total. Uh, I, I didn't think he'd get anywhere close to it this year, but uh, with the injury to Robin Leonard and playing all those games and being able to rack up uh, those, those victories, uh, 26 wins in 36 starts for Mark-Andre Fleury this year, he's, he's eight shy. Of what was a real target. I, I'm not sure that that he ever set out to win a Vesna uh, this year. To be to be quite honest, but 500 wins is something that uh, that he has circled for a while uh, to be to be able to record as uh, as a goaltender in the National Hockey League, and and now it's a virtual lock uh, with what he's been able to to do in this short season, season and being able to win those those 26 games. 492, eight shy right now of 500 wins. And here's, here's the real indication of how long Marc-Andre Fleury's been around. Hmm. 492 career wins, 270 losses, sorry, 76 losses, 276 losses, and two ties. Two ties. <laughs> that's how long he's been around. He's got, got, a, got a couple of ties, oh, that's fantastic. ties in there. That's just well done. Uh, uh, he's faced twenty four thousand nine hundred and ninety six shots for his career. Twenty five thousand shots uh, directed uh, his way, and uh, and he wins the Vesna Trophy for the first time. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's awesome. And you know, again, when it comes to marc Andre Fleury, we we get to see him every day. We get to watch him every day. We we know how hard the guy works in practice. We know just how how conditioned he is how ready he is in terms of of keeping his body fresh at 36 years old to go in and play at the highest level and I think it's it's interesting when you you hear from Marc-Andre Fleury in, in terms of what went right this year he singles out Robin Leonard he talks about the defense he talks about goaltending coach Mike Rosati and and tweaking a few parts of his game and you know that's just a player that that recognizes it's an individual achievement, but it's also one that he shares with every single person in that locker room. And then that I think kind of boils everything down to just who Marc-Andre Fleury is, the ultimate teammate. And the Mike Rosati point
0: is, uh, is also interesting because there was a change made there and Mike Rosati took over the goaltending coaching duties full time this year. And the team wins the Jennings trophy uh, and Marc-Andre Fleury wins the Vesna Trophy uh, for the first time in his 17-year career, uh, 36 years old. So uh, real credit goes uh, as well uh, to not just the athletes, but the coaches, Pete DeBoer and and his staff, uh, and and the way they were able to uh, to handle things and and make it uh, positive and and an environment for the goaltenders to succeed. But on the technical side, you saw the adjustments in both Robin Leonard's game and Mark Andre Fleury's game, and the the advances and how he was able to adjust and be in a better spot to make the save. So uh, Mike Rosati, uh, another one of those sort of under the radar people within the organization that make a huge impact uh, as the goalie coach of the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Yeah, 100% and it's it's proven out with a a Jennings trophy for uh, for both Robin Leonard and Marc-André Fleury and now the Vesna for Marc-André like that you know you look at those those stats you look at how well the goaltenders perform for the Golden Knights and you've got to give a st- uh, stick tap to Mike Rosati in the work that he did this year. So Let's go through the list
0: of, of NHL awards. What what's left for the Vegas Golden Knights to to attack? Where now that the Vesna Trophy is off the board, and, uh, and that's mm-hmm. a great accomplishment. The Jennings Trophy is in the back pocket of Robin Leonard and marc mm-hmm. Andre Fleury and Mike Rosati and the uh, team defense of the uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights. So there's there's two. Uh, pieces of hardware, and uh, what uh, w- Jack Adams is gone. We we know that. Um, wh- what else do we uh, What else do we have to claim?
1: So it would be the Norris, it would be the Selkie, and it would be the Hart.
0: All right, uh, because William Carlson, of course, uh, ha- has already claimed an individual award with the uh, Lady Bing, right? Yes. So, mm-hmm. the, yep. and from... also
1: I'll throw in Calder and the Calder. Right, so. Calder, Norris, mm-hmm.
0: and Hart. Yep. Is is what we set our sights on. Uh and then Selkie, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So there there we go. Selkie, I like I like the chances. Really like the chances. Hart trophy, uh we have we've, we've kind of covered that one off. Uh it's going to be tough. <laughs> Going against Connor <laughs> McDavid, that one. Uh, as much as uh, uh, I, I, I support uh, what what Mark Stone's done, and uh, and he got closer and and worked his way into the conversation, he got some votes this year. Gosh, the Hart Trophy, uh, getting past uh, Connor McDavid, he what like, dude playing bantam, minor bantam, is still is still up there uh, right now. Uh, uh, challenging Norris Trophy though, Shay Theodore. I, I don't think we saw the best of Shea Theodore this year. He was really good and is still top five uh, for Norris Trophy voting, uh, top six. Uh, so you you got to yeah. think that there's a potential to be jo- and, and Adam Fox wins this year. He was nowhere on the radar uh, at the start. And boy, do, do the Calgary Flames have to be frustrated with that. Uh, because they drafted him, uh college kid, he, he told them he wasn't going to sign there and and uh so Calgary eventually moved on uh to, to instead of losing him for nothing, uh they traded him to the New York Rangers and then what uh 2 years later he he wins the Norris Trophy. So that's a, uh that's a, a bad one for the uh for for the Calgary Flames, but uh, you see how players kind of have that 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 big year. Uh I think I think it's Hedman is still like your your year to year favorite for that award, but I like Shea Theodore turns it up uh, a notch or two. I there's a good mm-hmm. chance that he can win. Now Kale McCarr is also in that mix, and there's there's some good young defensemen. But I'd, I Shea Theodore and Mark Stone Selkie Norris Trophy. That's probably going to be a close race to see who ends up breaking through first on that.
1: Yeah, and you know as as. As much as I think Shea Theodore is, is right there kind of knocking on the door, and, and as he gets more recognition, I think that we're going to see a jump in his game from from sixth overall to to, to knocking on the door of, of being a, a Norris Trophy finalist. I, I do think that based on what we saw out of Alex Petrangelo in the playoffs and how he seemed to really kind of find his stride, find his game, with those games, if you get something like that from Alex Petrangelo for the entire 82-game season next year, and you find kind of another gear in terms of his offensive production, there's a real chance that the Golden Knights might have two defensemen on the ballot come next season, next year, when it comes to the Norris Trophy.
0: You are outstanding. That's a great observation, and it... Uh, heaven forbid it works against them that they start splitting the vote. Yeah. But uh but yeah, yeah. there's there there's I, I shouldn't just limit it to Shea Theodore. Uh the play of Alex Petrangelo in the last month and then uh what he was able to do uh during the postseason. It uh y- you may have uh, an, another player outside of Shea Theodore uh competing for that uh that Norris trophy win. Uh goaltending is the subject of the day. As Marc Andre Fleury wins the a Vesna trophy for the first time in his career, first time uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights in, in the five seasons. And yesterday we kind of spent the, the hour number two, the first block in hour number two, going through some of the postseason media availability and the exit interviews. So uh, this is probably a good time to focus on Pete DeBoer and Kelly McCrimmon when they talked about goaltending. Uh, a couple of days ago, and when they discussed the tandem, and uh, right now they've got Marc-Andre Fleury under contract for one more year. Uh, You've got Robin Leonard uh, tied up and secured with cost certainty for the next four years, and the idea of going with a tandem, which worked so well this year, uh, and whether or not you stick with that uh, over an 82-game season. So let's start with Pete DeBoer on a goalie tandem.
3: You know the, the salary cap and the, that maneuvering is is uh, above my pay grade. That that's for Kelly and George to figure out. I, I can tell you, it was it was uh, obviously an, an integral part of our success this year in the unique year we were in with the condensed schedule and the number of games. And, you know everything that went on. Uh, it was it was obviously a blessing this year. Um, you know, next year's a different story. Uh, we're, we're not in those unique circumstances anymore.
0: There's Pete DeBoer on the goaltending tandem and exiting the th- three games and four nights on a regular basis. They're- Basically, perennially, Uh, there was times this year where you were always in the midst, uh, either on the front half, the middle, or the the back half of a three and four, or four Mm -hmm. and six. Next year should be a little bit better, but we'll wait and see whether the uh, Olympic announcement uh, has things compacted uh, just a touch. Uh, Here's Kelly McCrimmon uh, with his thoughts on uh, being questioned about the goalie tandem.
3: Well, I think it worked really well. I think that uh, you know the, the Jennings Trophy is a pretty good indicator of how. Uh, well at work for the fewest goals allowed and it's it's about more than just the goaltenders that win the Jennings trophy it's team it's coaching but certainly uh, those two goaltenders were uh, front and center in any uh, success we had in that regard I think that it helped us in the, in the playoffs uh, as well so um, you know we were really fortunate I think to have two goaltenders as good as we uh, as we did this year, with respect to what lies ahead with uh, those decisions, uh, you know again, we've uh, we've been done for forty eight hours, not even. Uh, you know those are all the things that have to go into, you know have to be discussed as we uh, get ready for the off season and going into uh, to next year. So we'll get to that uh, in due course.
0: and And this year, things are slightly more settled than they were coming off the bubble. And that uh, mysterious off-season where we were in no man's land for a while. It was the off-season with no start date because things kept getting pushed back, pushed back, and then eventually settled on the 56-game schedule. But there were so many goaltenders that required contracts last summer. Uh, Not the case this time around. But there's still teams that could use an upgrade. Uh, we've certainly heard Pittsburgh in the mix. Uh, there's the stories about last offseason being interested in Mark Andre Fleury. But there's there's other clubs. Uh, what, what does what does Edmonton do uh, with their net mining? Um, uh, the uh, Vancouver Canucks, uh, for instance, will they lose a goaltender to Seattle? Or would they be interested? There's there's a few teams right now that if you looked at it went. Could, could they be in the market for Sergey Bobrovsky? Because Florida uh, may be ready to... Uh, I'd be hard-pressed that they'd just hand the keys to Spencer Knight after uh, a couple of games, but he was good. <laughs> and Chris Dreger is going to, to go out for free agency. So I think the goaltending market, while not uh, as many pieces in this offseason, going into free agency and into the National Hockey League draft where, where teams uh, tend to make more of their decisions. Uh, while there's not as many pieces to be moved, there's still some significant uh, holes to be filled on the goaltending of individual teams.
1: So you you bring up the Florida Panthers and the, the the idea that I have is is kind of twofold. One, if you move Bob Brofsky, I I see that, You know, you have an opportunity where um, you have Spencer Knight, you've got a young goaltender, you're handing him the keys, and in much the same way that I don't think it worked out particularly well this year for the Philadelphia Flyers and Carter Hart, I view the fact that Spencer Knight is on an entry-level contract, the fact that Sergei Bobrovsky is, is tied to that organization with that monster contract, it still gives you a relatively good setup in terms of overall expenditure on goaltending. So I would be inclined, if I'm the Florida Panthers, to go into next year with Bobrovsky. Spencer Knight allowed At 10000000 million. You're right. Like The prudent yeah. move... Chris
0: is going to move on there. The prudent move is to keep Bobrovsky mm-hmm. and... and, and- Easy. And if Spencer Knight's all world, then yeah, play him. But you still gotta have some kind of insurance policy. You want to win, uh, and and you want to win around. Uh, they haven't done that mm-hmm. in, since 1996, I think, uh, uh the, since what? they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. So uh, I, I would I would be surprised if uh, if Florida moved on. So we'll see who else ends up changing places.
2: Zero chance they leave him unprotected in the expansion draft.
0: Uh, well, they. I'm not. I'm not sure they have to. I guess they could, but I think you have to protect a goaltender.
2: Well, they couldn't. They oh, Dreger is a UFA.
0: He's a UFA. Ah,
2: yeah, now they, they could get...
0: protect Dreger and and
2: Bobrovsky. But then they would have to sign yeah. Dreger.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure what the. I guess if somebody's going to willing to take ten million dollars off your hands, then you you let mm-hmm. Bobrovsky go and you resign Dreger, and and your your yeah, you're, you're
2: yeah his position. his numbers by the way 23 games so only 8 less than Bobrovsky
1: yeah he had oh, better goals against
2: average and uh adjusted goals against average better no I mean, Deder
1: was better yeah, yeah he had a better season but mark andre well, the, the th- thing is i i think you've got to get bobrovsky to waive his no move clause yeah so in terms of like you you've got to protect him right like that that is that is essentially worked into his contract now. If he waves it, and you can have a, a situation where you send that to Seattle, and you don't have to lose on, in a trade with, uh, uh, in trading Sergey Babarovski, I think you can kind of figure that one out. But I, I still think in terms of, of what's best for the future for the Florida Panthers, I think you keep Bobrovsky, you keep Spencer Knight, you, you allow those next two years to kind of burn off the two more years of that Bobrovsky contract, and then when it's only three more years left, I think it's a little bit more palatable to be able to move it if Spencer Knight turns into who you think he's going to be.
0: Shouldn't uh, write off Sergei Bobrovsky just yet, uh, because he's, uh, he's, he's in his early 30s. I agree with 30s. that, too. He's in his early 30s. We just witnessed what happened. <laughs> with a, with a guy that's uh that's on the other side of his of his mid 30s and like, guys have done it Ed Belfour 34 years uh Mike Vernon 34 years like there's 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 been players that have been very good uh in their in their mid 30s and been able to win some of these um individual trophies including the 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 Vezina trophy like 36 years old. Next year, at 7 million, I probably wouldn't be alone in thinking to myself, does he play it out and retire? And now you look at it and how much he loves the game. And be careful because things can change so fast. We, we're we living yeah. it right now in, in, in celebrating Mark andre Fleury. But 36, he's 37 next year. Does he play till he's 39? Now, what kind of money do you get? But I think you're probably closer to Marc Andre looking for another contract after next year's done than you are to thinking he's going to retire, which is probably different than we would have thought a year ago.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good point. I I think Marc-Andre Fleury is entering next season looking for his next contract, not looking to retire. And you know, I the way that he takes care of himself and again, this this goes with the obvious caveat of anything can happen between now and when there would need to be another contract on the table for Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, but right now I think he's playing for his next his next contract and I'm not sure that it's just going to be a one-year contract if I'm honest.
0: We will uh, continue to peruse what has just occurred with Marc-Andre Fleury winning the 2021 Vesna Trophy for National Hockey League's top goaltender. And we'll get into Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final, which was a decisive win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Is that a harbinger of things to come, or will it be like what we witnessed following a Game 1 win by the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup semifinal. It's the VGK Insider Show, celebrating flower on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
1: Go on to the near wing. Big shot wing scores!
2: It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day.
1: And it's a Thai hockey game.
2: On the VGK Insider Show. Impressive what Marc-Andre
0: Fleury has done today in claiming the Vesna Trophy at the age of 36. But, you know, when you look back at the award recently, there's some other guys who have done it. have been able to turn in some vintage performances. Pekka Rennie, three years ago, four years ago, Mm -hmm. he was 35. Mm -hmm. Uh, The likes of uh, Tim Thomas was in his mid-30s when he won the second of two. Marty Brodeur, backside of his 30s when he won the last of his four uh dominic Hasek was was 80 was he 83 yet or was he still 82 when he when he won the last of his well, six
1: you're you're mean um, <laughs> he was 36 uh he was he was 36 when he won his last vezna the the last of his six, Vesnas, six veznas um because he's the greatest the greatest goalie of all time um, and the beautiful thing about Dominic Hashik is that, in his age 37 season, he finished sixth in Vesna voting. In his 41 year old season, he finished seventh in Vesna voting. And in his 42nd or 42 year old season, he finished fifth in Vesna voting. That's unbelievable. He also, he also won the Jennings um, in. His forty-three-year-old season, wild. <clears throat> Looking back, oh, well, like what yeah. a! And this virtually
0: guarantees you Hall of Fame. Not, <laughs> not, not, they slam dunk. There's a couple of uh, yeah. players where we'll see uh, how they sort out. Uh, but Jim Carrey's about the only one that 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 wasn't going to make the Hall. Jose Theodore was a Hart Trophy candidate. He's not in the Hall of Fame. We'll see if Mika Kippersov ever gets there. Uh, but the rest of them, like Tim Thomas, should be uh, a Hall of Famer. When you look at two Veznas and, and the Stanley Cup, Ryan Miller will be for for sure. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, Sergey Bobrovsky, uh, win a win a couple Veznas. Like let's let's start writing the speech. Uh, Braden Holpe, I don't know whether he gets there or not, but the Mark Andre Fleury. This is just another check mark, and the door was already uh, open for him. And, but this just allows him to not have to deal with Eddie Paparazzi. He just walks right through uh, to the Hockey Hall of Fame. When it's all done, but again, 36 players have played. Uh, Pekka Renny is just now, and he hasn't officially retired yet because he's talking about he, he may move on from Nashville. And, uh, and he's in uh, is 38, uh, I believe. Uh, so there's there's still the idea that uh, that Mark Andre Fleury could play beyond next year, and uh, that's uh, that's a, a really real cool story uh, across the the hockey world. Another story is Game One of the Stanley Cup Final last night, five one. Could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Actually, could have for a little bit, uh, but yep. Montreal falls to the yep. Tampa Bay Lightning. Similar game to what we saw in Game One against the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Yeah, there were uh, a lot of similarities, obviously, uh, though you do have to give credit to the Tampa Bay Lightning for scoring their fifth goal on the power play as John Cooper loaded it up with five forwards because... You know, if you have a team in the Montreal Canadiens that do very well on the penalty kill, it's best to break their spirit as quickly as you can in a seven-game series, and that is what the power play goal from Steven Stamkos accomplished in terms of the penalty kill. And I've got to give a lot of credit to John Cooper for not just saying a 4-1 win is okay in game number one. I like that mentality from John Cooper, and I think it goes a long way in in how this series Plays out the rest of the way.
0: Uh, Keith Jones picked up on on that in the post game last night on NBCSN uh, because I think a lot of us mm-hmm. were of the belief that uh, that he was going with the, the all forward power play as a way to stick it to Montreal for uh, loosening up uh, yeah. their discipline. And you think about Shea Weber with the slash to the back of Kucherov and uh, and a couple of other uh, questionable, rough, greasy, dirty. I love plays. <laughs> I love those plays, but uh, uh, intimidating uh, plays. But, uh, but you're, you're right. Being able to squash that confidence on the penalty kill in a game where you don't necessarily need the goal is, uh, is, is almost like psychological.
1: Yeah, 100%. Now, the caveat that I'm going to throw into all of this is, is this what the Montreal Canadiens needed, right? Like, is this the game that the Canadiens needed to see from the Tampa Bay Lightning to go into their, to go into what they do best? And that's figuring out a way to counter counterattack, or are the Tampa Bay Lightning just too good? Do they just have too many players that can make plays on every single line? I uh, I don't know yet, but game two will give us a lot of answers as, as we figure out exactly what this series is going to be. Uh, it's it's difficult when
0: you say you're 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 basically giving away a game, but we saw mm-hmm. that happen in the second round with Vegas and Colorado, where you just didn't have it. You couldn't you couldn't turn it around in time and you were going to start the series down one nothing in a best of seven. That was the reality of that. And I almost wonder if that's yeah. a similar situation with Montreal. They having to go through, and you want to enjoy a little bit of this, right? Uh, and and mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah. that they had an opportunity to think about it uh, a little bit. And that uh, that might have been just the exhale game for the Montreal Canadiens. And now you get back, go, back at it in game number two.
1: Yeah, I, I think that you know there were also. I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Like that Nick Suzuki line was just not where it needed to be. It wasn't detail they oriented. They they did not they did not have a good game. And I think that you could also kind of chalk that up, especially when it comes to Suzuki, a little bit of nerves on a, a gigantic stage. So I would expect that line to be better in game number two, and I would expect the Canadians as a whole to be better. Uh, Carey Price, very very good. Um, and you know, stop me if if we've said this before. Carey Price's best game might have been game one against Vegas where he allowed four goals. Uh, it's very well possible that his best game in this series could be game one where he allowed five.
0: Uh, Shea Weber fined $5,000 uh, maximum allowable under the CBA uh, for a slash to the back of Kucherov. It was it was mm-hmm. dirty. Yep. And I say I'm yeah, saying was. that with a big smile on my face. Like that thing would have hurt. I I, I was talking with Derek Englin the other day and uh, we were doing nighttime at noon mm-hmm. And uh Dakota Miller was uh, was in the in the room producing it, and uh, I said uh, derek let's let's grab a stick and you just continue to cross check Dakota and we'll tell Dakota to tell us when it hurts and when it gets to the point where it, it's like unbearable and And we all came to the conclusion <laughs> we didn't have to do that because it would be unbearable uh, right at the very start. That stuff hurts. With those little cross checks and those those slashes mm-hmm. to the vulnerable area in the back of the leg.
1: Yeah, I you know it was an interesting play from Shea Weber. It, at, as I viewed it and as we saw it um, on replay, it appeared that there was a, a referee in the area. It appeared that that ref was had a, a pretty clear view of that infraction, <laughs> but no penalty called. And you know, listen. Um, I'm not one to argue with Gary Bettman. He's a lawyer. He's better at it. So I'm just going to assume that um, I didn't see what the referee saw in that situation, <laughs> and that there's no issues with penalties.
0: It. Uh, you're right. You wonder like how does that not get called? And that's where Montreal was like, we don't care what the score is now. We're going. Mm-hmm. We're going to yeah. start like just piling them up, and let's see what happens. Brendan Gallagher, that was nasty too. Um, oh, we have some news from the Buffalo Sabers. Don Granato will remain as Sabres head coach. Anybody surprised at this? He was 9.16 3 after taking over from Kruger uh, midway through the point of the season.
1: Um, am I surprised? Not really. Do I think that it's what the Sabres need? Not really, though I'm not really sure what the Sabres are going to look like next year. Like, first and foremost, it's awesome for Don Granato. Like, give it a shot. Let's go. See what you can do next year. But there are so many question marks about what the Sabers are going to look like. Will they be moving on from Jack Heichel in the offseason? Will Sam Reinhart be there, or will they be moving on from him in the off season? Do you have a goalie? Who? Where do you? Like, what are you going to do in the off season? Now, um, I mean, I don't like. <laughs> If you're asking me, do I believe that there's a, another coach out there right now that, that could be better for the Buffalo Sabres, I would be inclined to say yes. Bruce Boudreaux is out there. He's a fantastic hockey coach. I think that that's something that, that could really kind of infuse something into the Buffalo Sabres organization. But I also have no idea what they're going to look like next year. So, sure, this this checks the boxes for me just fine.
0: He was 9-5-2 once they stopped the Historically bad losing streak, which isn't bad. Yeah. Like the when and COVID helped, oh. they were shut down by COVID. They had the Taylor Hall thing. So nine five and two with with that team with the way they played this year is mm-hmm. pretty darn good. I'm I, I like I like what Don did when he went in there, and he and he had some unique approaches, and I, I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he's got a chance for success. I worry that it's another. Guy that had, doesn't have a long lot of experience as a head coach in the National Hockey League, mm-hmm. and they've they like they, that's mm-hmm. that's been the history of the the Buffalo Sabres hiring coaches lately.
1: Well, I think you you also have to change the perspective of who your cornerstone piece is, right? Like, for the longest time, it's been Jack Eichel. I again, we were fairly confident that that's not going to be the case moving forward for the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, you think he's gone? So. I do, yeah, I, I really do. Now, I could be wrong. 100%, I could be wrong. I just think the writing's kind of on the wall when it comes to what we've been hearing out of out of Buffalo, out of out with with Jack Eichel. I, I don't think he's going to be back. I don't think he's going to be a Buffalo Saber. So, you change your focus on who your cornerstone player is. That's Rasmus Dahlin. You need him to be a difference maker. You need him to be um, among the best defensemen in the league. So, if, if Don Granato can kind of unlock that potential that we know is there with Rasmus Delin, then you can probably build around that.
0: Edmonton Oilers signed another player to a max deal of eight years. Ryan Nugent mm-hmm. Hopkins gets the $41 million contract and an annual uh, value of 5.1. Uh, that's that's a one like life-changing generational wealth for a 41 million dollar mm-hmm. yeah. contract. I haven't looked at the structure of the deal whether it's front loaded or back loaded uh and and how it sh- sorts out but uh but 5.1 over over 8 years there's some yeah there's some benefit to the Oilers with that contract.
1: I guess it's a yeah, hometown that's, discount. Uh, I mean it's 100% a hometown discount. Um the the structure of the contract is is really kind of middle loaded if that makes sense it's mm-hmm. it's not a super high cap hit or average annual value off the top it's it's a little bit more in the six million range in actual dollars in the middle of the contract and then there's some signing bonuses toward the end of the contract for ryan nugent Hopkins. but you know you you're just over a five million dollar cap hit for a player that's incredibly valuable plays in a lot of different situations and would have gotten I believe more on the open market Um, that's a win for the Edmonton Oilers and I think that it's a, a contract that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to outperform for the duration so that is is a good thing for the player in terms of the way the fans feel about him in the market and it's a good thing for the Oilers as a whole do
0: you want the cheeky line of the day or or should we just pass by the cheeky line of the day
1: no, I want it. Come on. Okay, give it to me.
0: So he gets uh, signs for eight more years, forty-one million dollars. So he—that mm-hmm. he, means he'll be around for three more rebuilds. <laughs> that's your—that's your cheeky line of the of, of, of the day. Although I—I I, I don't I, think you're wrong. I think that they'll get it going. The, the Pacific Division has to start turning a corner a little bit, right? Um, I had a big, uh, yeah, big long talk with, at. uh, with, uh, Dave Hackstall today, uh, for the Chirp podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that, that hiring came out of nowhere, like out of the blue. Nobody was talking about really? Dave you, yeah you, you, you didn't hear his name, right? I didn't hear his name.
1: Not until about 10 minutes before they announced
0: right. it. It actually went back about a year and a half. To the world championships and uh they had he and and ron francis had uh had connected at the world championship and uh and and had some conversations and that's when sort of the the foundation was built uh for that so and and said this to dave you never really know when you're being interviewed like we somebody could be listening to us right now or uh we may run into somebody at uh, t-mobile and and in two years they're in a position of power or, or hiring It's wild that that Mm -hmm. hiring for the Seattle's first head coaching job, the genesis for that actually goes back a couple of years to a world championship, which I thought was, uh, was fascinating.
1: Every day is an audition. Yeah. How do you think we did today? Um, I thought we were really good. Uh, Chapman had one of his better shows too.
0: Yeah. You know, you're right. Even with the, with the content, with the chiming in and the opinion, Mm-hmm. He wasn't left. Yeah. He still has a tendency to agree. If we give him a choice, like name three microphones that you like, and we give our opinion on three microphones, he'll still take two of our guesses. Well, he I, doesn't come up point. with with three of his own. The, the,
2: the problem is sure. that that question there literally are not a lot of choices. It's not like there's like fifteen guys that I could pick from. There's like three, and then guy still playing. Dude playing minor bantam. Yeah, that guy. (laughs) The the, the (laughs) seven-year-old.
0: Dude playing minor bantam's 13. It's uh, U13. Uh, Those are your one-timers for this Tuesday, June the on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Marc-Andre Fleury, Besson Trophy winner. He is going to uh, chat with the media at about 6.30 our time uh, tonight, and we'll have uh, plenty of reaction to from Marc-Andre Fleury, more than just the interaction between Martin Brodeur and Marc-Andre Fleury from the actual awarding and the presentation uh, of that. Um, we also have the All-Star Weekend coming up, so we're going to dive back into that uh, later on this week. Uh, the, the 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 Golden Knights are... are auctioning off some digital art uh we're we're going to get into that Mm. you guys aren't into that field just yet but uh i'm starting to understand it a little bit more brian killingsworth uh chief marketing officer of the uh vegas golden knights will join us tomorrow to discuss a little bit of that so uh, a lot of vegas golden even though they're not playing a ton of vegas golden knights content on the vgk insider show uh this week as we turn things over to chris chapman for catching up with chapman
2: I would like to take the opportunity to wish my wife, my beautiful wife a happy birthday. I refuse to say how old she is, but uh Why don't you just
0: tell her like happy birthday? You oh, I have. I, I have
2: you. I have told her, but uh you know, I wanted no to No one's
1: asking you to reveal her age. No, either. no, but
2: I I wanted to share with the listeners that today is my wife's birthday and we are uh, we're is happy. You're bragging. That today's her birthday? Yes. Yes, okay. I am. I I'm bragging that I actually found someone to 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 marry me. That That is mm. that's that's what I'm bragging about. Twice. Yeah, because I have been married twice. Well, the first one was smart enough to get away from me as soon as, (laughs) but uh, this, the the, the, wife number two hasn't caught on yet. No, this
0: is our first birthday. uh, Yeah, this is our first
2: birthday. The first birthday we've celebrated together. Yes, because last year we were uh, separated because of the pandemic, and two years ago we were separated because I had not traveled to Asia yet. So, uh, yeah. This is our, our first birthday that we're celebrating together. Okay, so,
0: don't be a jerk. Like, do something special. Yes, for, yes. Okay, she's missing her family. She's stuck <laughs> with you. Yep. She is stuck do with me. Do yes. something special. Now, yes. what are you gonna do?
2: Well, I don't know because I told her last night we would we would celebrate over the weekend. <laughs> so, why
0: can't you celebrate tonight? I don't well, know. because because it's I I, I have
2: I have something that I have to do early tomorrow morning, so we can't really go out and, and stay out late. So, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I told her. I said, "Listen, do a short
0: bo- shift on the sleep,
2: man." No, no, absolutely, I can't. I can't. It's it's a very important thing that I have to be up early for. So, uh-
1: no, 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 be up for it. Just choose less sleep. No, yeah.
2: no, I can't. I need I need as much sleep as I could possibly get tonight. So, she understands. Selfish? It's not selfish.
0: Totally selfish. What
2: I'm doing, I'm doing for her. So, so
0: uh, part of me wants to ask. I, I will tell part, you off the air. Part of me is scared to death to I, I, will,
2: I will tell you off the air. <laughs> and <laughs> Ryan, I, I will send you a text message. I, there's Okay.
0: I've <laughs> learned, and, and Ryan always says to me, you asked, you asked. I'm, I'm learning not to ask those questions of uh, Chris Chapman. Hey, congratulations, Mark andre Pleury. Plenty more uh, tomorrow on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.